Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Grief fundamentally changes who we are and how we see the world. It's painful and heartbreaking, but also transformative and magical. This podcast is about grief and loss, but more importantly, it's about life and living fearlessly. I'm Kelsey Chittick, and welcome to Moms Don't Have Time to Grieve. Okay, so today we have a special guest that I have gotten to know over the last couple of years who is just an exceptional human being and I look forward to you guys hearing his story and you understanding what the word resilience really means because I've learned a lot from him. His name is Max Gleason and he is an amazing artist. After this, you've got to go look at the work that he's done both before and after his grief and during. But Max grew up in Atlanta, in California, went back and forth and then ended up going to the Rhode Island School of Design where he graduated with a degree in art worked in New York City for many years, and then found his way back out to California, started a family, and currently lives in Santa Inez. Is that all right, Max? That is all right, yes. Okay. Thank you so much for joining. And I want to start just by talking about where we met, because I have a little story about how I felt about your story before I knew it. Max and I ended up going to this grief retreat in Esalen about two and a half years ago. I think. Yeah, February of 2020, because it was like a month before COVID hit. Right before COVID, right. And I had always wanted to do, I knew I needed to get away. And I always wanted to go to Esalen up in Big Sur. It's just a magical place. And I knew I should probably go to like a silent meditation. But then I saw this grief retreat, which sounded like hell. In all honesty, is there anything you want to spend thousands of dollars on to just sit around with people that are in misery like you? But It was a really unique experience, and we can talk about that also, but I remember it was put on by this group called The Dinner Party, where they bring people together that are grieving, even if you're grieving someone from 20 years ago or any type of trauma that you are working through based on losing somebody, they have these monthly meetings around the country. It's a pretty cool organization, and so they were hosting this event, and when they did that, they sent out an email with everybody's stories or like blurbs of who they'd lost, or I think we had to write possibly. Yeah. As part of the registration, we had to write like a little paragraph as to who we lost and why we were coming. Exactly. And so, you know, I have a judgment and I'm going to be honest, this is awful if I'm doing a grief podcast, but like, if it's your grandmother, I'm sorry, but it's like a different sorry. And so I was going through and there was a lot of uncles and mothers and husbands and spouses. And then I get to Max's story. 
And I'll let him share it with you, but I read it and I thought to myself, I don't know if I can, I can hold that level of pain with him yet. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to talk to him because his loss was multiplied multiple times from mine and I knew my pain. So I remember thinking before I got there, Max, like, I don't know if I can sit next to that guy because the pain and the, the, I don't have anything to say. I don't know how to say anything to somebody who's lost what you had lost. And somehow we ended up talking briefly and we've stayed in touch ever since. And you might not know this, but you've been a real pillar for me because we both kind of have made decisions to honor the people we lost living our best lives. And I think we both chose that pretty early on. And if I look at people who are, I don't know, surviving or thriving or doing both in between misery, those people all decided to kind of make the most of our time here. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing your story and kind of the grief part, and then we'll go into the years after, if you may. Yeah, for sure. It's also interesting that you, what you just said, that you didn't think you could sit next to me or talk to me because you didn't know what you would say to me. Mm -hmm. And at that retreat, I got more from talking to you than I did from any of the kind of structured activities that, you know, that the the facilitators had planned. So even, even though you didn't think you could hold the space for me, like you did. And that's why I've kept in touch with you. And yeah, it was just, it was huge for me what you were able to share with me about your process. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So the, my story is that my wife, Vanessa, my daughter, Lou, and my son, Des, were all killed in a car crash on October 25th, 2019. Vanessa was 34 at the time. Our daughter was two and a half and our son was four months old. So in an, you know, in that one event, I lost my family. Everything that I had kind of hung my identity on and built my life around was gone in that instant. And, you know, that obviously that was a huge blow, a huge loss. And on top of that, I learned about three days after the crash that the person who ran into them did so intentionally. He was attempting suicide by slamming himself into somebody else's car. He had no idea that he was taking out a wife and her two babies, but that's who was in his line of sight at the time that he decided to do this. And he survived and my family died and he's been in jail for the last two and a half years pending trial, which has been postponed multiple times due to COVID because of courts keep closing and opening up. But that, you know, that experience has sent me on a very bizarre, profound, excruciating journey over the last two and a half years, trying to both reconcile the loss of my wife and kids and the grief around that. And the fact that there's another human being who's still alive, who decided to do this. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. In the beginning, I I only thought of your story as just gut-wrenching, which it is. And every time you tell it, I viscerally can feel it. And I I don't have that all the time with people, but I think the way that you lost your wife and kids and the suddenness and the violentness and the choice that was made is really important because that is unique. Because as we go through grief, we have to make meaning out of things. And yours was left you with not a lot of good things to make meanings out of. And I think you and I have talked about 
when my husband died of a heart attack, I was like, he lived a great 42 years. He has a great dad. You know, he, we, we had a good marriage and he needed to go back to heaven and fight the holy fires or whatever story we make up. We have talked a little bit about this with your story. And one of the stories that you brought up that I, I tell people all the time is as you were kind of working through this process and correct me if any of this is wrong, but you were trying to understand meaning on how could this happen? Like, how, how could it happen of, of all the people of all the times? And, and I think, too, the story you, she dro- you normally drove as a family, right? Always up to this. To, it was your parents or her parents? Uh, my parents. Yeah, we were right. headed to my parents' house. And she wanted to get it go ahead and take the kids, and you were going to stay and take care of some things. And so this, in this unique situation, you all drove separately. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't the norm because you had little ones. And I think... As we've talked about it, there's all these pieces as you look back, these small decisions that are made that feel like they're free will, but then also at some point you go, how much control do we have over this thing? So can you share, you had talked to me about how you felt like you're getting to the place where understanding like this this was how it was going to be. And we talked about the couple of weeks before when she was in the drugstore. Right, yeah. This thing, this story, if it doesn't give you hope for just... If you can look back at the dots and if you think this thing is magical and if you think our souls live on and our bodies are just our bodies, this story got me because I love this stuff. This is the magic in, in the missing. Tell us what happened a couple months or like a couple weeks before the accident. Yeah. So a few weeks before the crash that killed them, Vanessa flew to Chicago with Des, our son, for my sister's baby shower. My sister was pregnant at that time. She took Des with her because he was a baby and still nursing. I stayed at home with our daughter. And the day after she got there, they were hanging out in the park. She got stung by a bee and went into anaphylaxis. And this had never happened to Vanessa before. She'd always been sensitive to bee stings, but, you know, never went into full anaphylactic shock. But within, you know, minutes, her her throat started. She was swelling up. Her throat started to close up. She was with my sisters and my mother, and they went across the street from the park to a drugstore to try and find some Benadryl, you know, just anything they could get in her to reduce the swelling. And, you know, once she was in the drugstore, it got so bad that they called 911. The ambulance was on the way. Vanessa went into the bathroom. And as she described to me later, she said, I felt myself dying. Like I've, I felt, I felt it coming. I felt myself slipping away. And she said it was interesting because the closer I got to that feeling of dying, the calmer I got. And I, I would have thought that I would have been freaking out. And then she said, as she was slipping into that feeling of death, a voice came to her that, you know, was like either her own wisdom or a voice from somewhere and said, you can't leave those babies behind. And, you know, the, the medics arrived, they shot her full of uh, epinephrine and took her to the hospital and she made it. But if they, you know, if they hadn't arrived within a few minutes, she probably would have died, but she got that message. You can't leave your babies behind. And then like a month later, she died and she took her babies with her. So there's, you know, to go back to your original point, if you believe in that stuff, you know, it was almost like 
this was destined to happen in some way or another. And the first, the first run, the first attempt Oof. wasn't quite right. So it, you know, it had to, it had to happen in a different way, in a more, a much more devastating way. And, and, you know, also to go back to kind of what you were saying before, like I've, since this has happened, I am, I fully believe that everything happens for a reason. There are no longer, like, I don't believe in accidents. And I'm just saying that's for me. I, you know, I'm not trying to say that as an absolute, but even the fact that this crash that killed her and, and our kids was technically not an accident, you know, and mm. people use the word accident all the time, but it wasn't an accident. It was an intentional act by another person. So there's, you know, it's kind of like on that level, there's an intention to it. There's a meaning to it. There's a lack of randomness to it. But then if you look at it from a more cosmic destiny kind of perspective, it's like there's, there's something, I don't know what, what, what has helped sustain me through this is like, there, there was a reason for this. There was, there's meaning to be made from this. And I'm not saying I have the answer as to what that meaning is, but it's something that I, and working on and and trying to actively engage with this process of loss and grief and trauma and working through it and and finding healing because I believe yeah that there is purpose and meaning to be made from it. Yeah, that's why I I think your story is gut wrenching and absolutely inspiring because the one thing I think you after you go through sudden death or loss of any type, but when it happens really quickly with people you love you realize there was no way to stop it on some level, no matter where or how it happened. But I feel the same way about Nate dying when I was in Jamaica, because I think he knows if I was there, I would have been like, you better fucking stay because I'm not raising these kids alone, you know? And so there was this level of how could it, if you look back at the timing of things, like what are the chances you would have gone and stayed back and not driven with her? What are the chances I would go out of the country? Like, what are the chances that she would have had this incident at the drugstore? And it's just, I think you and I have spoken about this is in our society, death is bad because it hurts and we miss them. And it's a physical pain that is hard to describe. But we don't describe that about birth. And birth is hard and it's a physical pain. And your life is never the same once they get here. And your life is never the same once they go. And I've started to kind of see that there's this circular experience of everything. It's just what we put meaning to based on how it feels inside of us. So how I think, too, when people talk about grief, you know, if it's it's a husband or a mother or, a, you know, a sibling, people always say, well, I could deal with that, but not my kids. Right. You hear that all the time. Just like, don't mess with my kids. Mm-hmm. And yet I continue to run into people like yourself that have taken this horrifying, I mean, it's just, it's horrifying, but this event and you, you talk a lot about your babies and how much you loved them and how much they were gifts, even though the timing wasn't, you know, the 60 years you wanted with them. But can you tell me about what, was there anything special about them or anything that you remember thinking or what gives you peace now that you had those souls for the time that you did even though it wasn't even close to what you expected or wanted or maybe needed, but I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I'm grateful for every moment that I had with them. And 
even if I knew ahead of time what was going to happen, I still would have taken, I still would have taken what oh, my time with them. I you love know? that. Mm-hmm. You know, my son was so short. He, I mean, he was here for four months and a baby. So, you know, most of that time was like nursing or nothing. Right, so right. Exactly. I didn't really get to know him. But the time that I spent with my daughter, you know, opened up a dimension within myself that I had never experienced before. Wow. And I'm forever grateful for that, even though she was only here for two and a half years. I mean, now, now I know that kind of love is possible. And I know that kind of depth of human experience is possible. So if you, you know, if you think about it on a soul level, like she came here and she gave that to me, you know, and now I get to live with that for as long as, you know, however many years I have left, which is, which is really cool. And, you know, to further answer your question, like early on, I was sad for them because I was like, they don't get to have a life. Like that's so fucked up. Like they don't get to be people. But as time has gone on, I've realized you know, as I've kind of processed this and and formulated more of my own beliefs around it, that doesn't matter as much. Like they came here and they did what they, what they had to do. And, you know, I don't believe death is an end. So I believe that now they're doing whatever else their, you know, their work is to do, or they're called to do. And the, the hard part is being alive. It's being here without them, you know? So I I love you. I get it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't have any grief or concern for Vanessa and the kids. Like I, in my heart, I know they're fine. The, you know, the hard part of this is, is the, is being left behind like you and me, you know, Totally. but you know, another thing that I've come around to, and this has taken a lot of work over the last few years is that that is also part of the human experience. It's like we, you know, you don't come here to be a human for, you know, sunshine and lollipops the whole time. That's not, that's not what this is about. There is, you know, there's beauty and there's the ugliness and there's pain and there's joy. And it's, it's the full spectrum of what it means to be a human, you know, and as people, we obviously seek out the moments of joy and beauty more than the pain and the ugliness, but you kind of have to have both to yeah. really be a fully realized human being on this planet. So. No, I, I, I love that. And I think that's why I knew early on that we connected on some of these bigger things that I think as I talk to people, so many people, it becomes black or white, this death and life thing. And, and I really feel if you're going to experience this and grow from it, which honestly, I think that's the only thing we're supposed to be doing down here. And you have to be ready to change everything that you've ever been taught or thought about certain things. And I think when Nate died, I was really concerned that he was going to miss being a dad and miss us and that I was so sad for him also. But when that first, that and that normal, I don't know how long it took you. It took me about six months to go, wait, he's actually fine. And I think even in the book I wrote that at some point I was crying and I heard Nate say, it wasn't hard for me to die. It's hard for you to choose to keep living. Mm-hmm. Like they're cool. Wherever they are, if it's heaven and they're riding down slides of clouds, great. If they're dancing with harps, like great. If they're just turned into love and they're just floating around and just, or if they're the hummingbird that I keep making them and my kids are like, they're, that's not him. I'm like, it is to me, people. <laughs> like you, you decide what you want it to be. 
When you start to assign meaning that gives you peace, that is the beginning, I think, of your grief becoming this great, beautiful, painful instrument for you to live a deeper life than you ever imagined. And it takes kind of flipping traditional religion on its head, traditional uh, grief practices of so much sadness. And for at least, and you and I, I mean, when I met you, you were really sad. I mean, you were emanating, is that the word? It was early. I mean, it was like a little over three months after. You were literally, and I was like, that boy is not well. And I know that. And I, I talk about this on the podcast and it's important for people to know timing. So whenever a guest comes on, I always want them to say how far they're out because there's nothing I hated more than when people like time heals. And I was like, I hope you die. Like, (laughs) you know, like stop it. Time doesn't heal. It's going to be like this forever. But I am continually reminded that time heals. And somehow God had this thing figured out shockingly, just like the sunset and the sunrise and the oceans, you know, there was a plan and, and somehow over time it gets easier. And I think neuropathically you start to have memories and, and thoughts and experiences that don't have that person at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets a little bit easier every day. And the more you fire new brain cells and new pathways and new ways of thinking and new people, the richer it gets and the easier it gets. I don't think the grief ever, I don't know that grief will ever stop for us. I don't know that we'll not have those moments where you just go, you got to be kidding me. Like it, Sometimes it feels like a bad dream. You're like, is this a joke? Right? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I mean, did you have growing up, was your life fairly easy? Did you have a good childhood? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. Not, nothing of major right. obstacle or challenge. Yeah. Right. I had like the light alcoholic, divorced parents. Those are just like basics. <laughs> you know, that's just nothing. So what would you say? Because I, I would love for you to begin to speak about this more because I think the way you have walked through it is, I, I hate the word inspiring because I don't know, but it's, it gives you hope that we can handle a lot more than we think. And people say that all the time, but you have somehow continued to work towards your mental health and your joy. What's the reason behind that? Is that something you do because you know that's what Vanessa would want and your kids would want? Is that something you're doing because the alternative is just just die in a pile on your couch? What When did it switch or from the beginning were you clear that you wanted to fight for joy? I mean, there's there's a lot of kind of potential answers for that. Ultimately, I don't know. I just did what I did. Right. You know, a certain amount of it was 
wanting to honor Vanessa and our kids and me, you know, turning into a pile on the couch, as you put it, like would not honor them in the way that they wanted. But also, you know, I mean, early on, probably like within the first week, I was like, you know, should I be here? Like, what's the point? Yes. You know, they all died. Why am I here? You know, real kind of dark existential, should I end it all kind of stuff. But that went away quite quickly. And I don't really know why, but, you know, one thing that I've learned and not so much learned, but just witnessed over the last couple of years is like the, the built-in resilience and, you know, people have said to me many times and, and you just said it too. They're like, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you're standing. And it's kind of like, it's not, it's not me. It's like the, the human system is, is built to survive. I love that. And, and if you kind of, if you allow it, if I allowed it, it showed me how to survive, you know, like there, there's, there's wisdom going on in me. That's beyond my brain. Like I didn't, I didn't sit down and say, okay, you know, I got to get through this grief. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. And this is my timeline. It's just like, I, I got really quiet. Yes. And I listened to what seemed like it would be the right thing to do. And, you know, the, the overall trajectory was one of healing. There were definitely like setbacks in that listening. Like I tried to do some shit and I was like, nope, that's not, that's not helping. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's how I feel about drinking. I drank tequila for a while and I was like, nope, this doesn't take me anywhere good. Yeah. I did. This makes I me did. sad. Yeah. I did the same thing. Yeah. Like um, Vanessa's, what would have been Vanessa's 35th birthday on March 30th, 2020, you know, I had been drinking to, to kind of just numb out the pain and I got really drunk on her birthday. And then I woke up the next day. I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Yep. So then I, I went, you know, completely sober for, I guess, nine months after that. Yeah. And like you, if you listen, the inner wisdom will tell you what you need. And at that time it was like, you can't keep doing this because you're going to destroy yourself. Yeah. I, I love that. I, people always say, oh, have a smoke a joint or have a drink. And I was like, I learned early on that first of all, alcohol is a depressant. So if you're already depressed, it might feel good that first drink, but by that second or third, the tears are out and it's not real tears. It's not real grief work. Mm -hmm. It's like drunk, drunk work and drunk work is not, it's not valuable. And I think when you are in grief to be hung over, you, you have about a millimeter of bandwidth when you're going through grief. And if you have a headache, that's it. Now you're, now you're, the day's shot, like you can't handle it. So people used to say, you don't do anything. You just lay. And I said, because that's all I've got. All yeah. I've got right now is just, I can't move. I cannot be messed with at all. I have to have eight hours of sleep. I have to meditate for six hours a day. I have to drink water and pray. Because like you said, if you, if you have too much going on in the beginning of grief, you can't hear God or intuition or your dead ones. So I want to ask you about that. Have you found a way to communicate to your kids or to your wife? Do you hear them? Do you feel them? Do you talk to them? Do they answer? Yeah. So the answer is yes. And in many ways. Um, so, you know, after this happened, uh, I definitely went down the rabbit hole of spirituality and mysticism and, and those are pretty kind of umbrella words, but I really wanted to, to understand on a more like gut knowing level, what happens when we die, 
you know, and prior to them, prior to the crash, I'd always been curious about that and, you know, had dabbled in a lot of different kind of spiritual things, but in a very intellectual way, you know, like I would read books and did different meditation practices and stuff like that. But, you know, it was never, it was never integrated in, into my being in a, like a knowing way where you meet somebody who's like really religious and it's like, they just embody their beliefs, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I went down that path. Uh, I read a lot of what would probably be called like alternative spirituality or, or alternative religion. Uh, in the last two and a half years, I've, I've had probably like eight readings with mediums. Um, I love it too. Give them all. Talk to me, people. Yeah, Talk which, to me. You know, I'd never done that prior. Some of them, I mean, one in particular was like, I fully believe directly channeling from them. I was able to communicate with them. I've had dreams, which I, I'm fully convinced are visitations because they have yes. completely different kind of tone and feeling to them. And when Vanessa comes in my dreams, they all have like a similar kind of a similar characteristic and similar structure where she just shows up. It's very clear. She has like one or two things to say, and then it's done. Like there's no kind of background activity. It's like just her, she says something to me and then she's oh, out. chills. <laughs> they come very cleanly when they come, at least yeah. to me in your dreams. And it's, there's not a lot of talking, sometimes no talking. It's just, you know what they're saying, but there's no words moving out of their mouth. At least that's yeah. what I've found. Yeah. I mean, what does she speak to you or do you intuit yeah. what she says? Really? Do you know it's her right away? Or is it right when you're waking up that you're like, oh shit, that was Vanessa in my dream. No, I know in the dream. You know, you know, right away. I always, it takes me a while and then I'm right on the edge and then I want to fight to stay in the dream. Mm -hmm. because it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then beyond that, it's just, you know, I don't, I don't have any kind of like metaphysical abilities on my own, but I, I do believe that, you know, you can kind of tap into their energy or their guidance if you allow it. Um, and when I do that in, you know, regular waking, like ego consciousness, life it's not like she's speaking words to me but i you know i just ask myself it's like what would vanessa want me to do in this situation yeah. and if i kind of feel into her then i always get a direction it's awesome so yeah it's cool i'm gonna ask you two questions at the end but one question because we've talked about this a lot and i think I talked to women about it, but you're the first man that I met who was in a similar situation with grief. But we talk a lot about moving forward and what that feels like as we try to find love again or find partner again. And for you to create another family and, you know, s start on this journey in a new way. What do you think, what has helped you be open to it? And what's the hardest part of it, of dating and, and meeting somebody? Yeah. I mean, I've been open to it for a while. You know, I'm two and a half years in, so much of like the first year to year and a half, it was not something that was on my radar at all. I mean, I was just too much in in the in still in the energy of what I had lost. You know, I was still very much like in a romantic relationship with Vanessa, even though she wasn't around. Mm -hmm. And I'm still very much in relationship with Vanessa, but it's it's evolved to where it's not a romantic relationship. I mean, it's much more of this kind of like I was just describing, it's almost like she's 
a spirit guide for me now. Um, I love that. That's right. You're still in a relationship. It's just not a romantic one anymore. I love that. That's yeah. exactly how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope that that relationship continues for the rest of my life and I, I'm pretty confident that it will. But, you know, I was, because of what I had with Vanessa, I mean, we were very deeply in love. We were really into everything that we were doing in life and to, to have, to have had that and know that it's possible as an aspect of, of life, as an aspect of being a human, it's kind of like once you've had it, you can't then not have it again. I agree. Um, you know? At, I agree. Or, we're, we're, we're wired for it or we wouldn't have had it. Yeah, for sure. And, and to know that it's possible, it's, you know, at least for me, it's like, I want that again. You know, it's not... It's not guaranteed, but I know that it's possible. So yes, I'm I'm very open to it. I'm seeing somebody right now and it's going really well. Awesome. I think, you know, the most challenging part of it is, and it's not even that hard, but it is something that has come up, is is negotiating the past with the present, you know. And I think for another person to step into that space as the new partner to the widow or widower is a pretty there's a lot of weight to that for another person who like isn't a widow or widower themselves. So it takes a lot of kind of strength and understanding on their part, which I get. And it's, for me, it's been a matter of like, I need to be mindful of that in her because it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't date me. (laughs) Cause whenever you bug me, I'm like, my husband wouldn't have done that. Nope. Yeah. You you just get triggered. You go like, that's, well, I had that. And the history is hard to recreate. Yeah. And it's also, you know, one thing that I realized is it's not like they're stepping, I'm still in love with Vanessa. Mm -hmm. So they're not stepping into a space where it's like, I used to love this person and now we're divorced. We broke up. This person, yeah, we broke up. It's like the love never ended, but they step in to put, a new love in there. And it's like, okay, well, well, where, where do I, where does my love fit? You know? That's good. good. So it's, you know, there's not like an easy answer to that, but I, as the other person in the relationship, I just tried to be mindful of their experience of that. So it's not as much a problem for me. Like I feel like I have, I can maintain the relationship with Vanessa in whatever form she's in now. And I can still love somebody new. I think it's almost harder for the somebody new totally. to be like, okay, where does, where do I fit into this matrix? You know? Yep. Yeah. Again, I think time might be our great healer on that one. That's yeah. what I'm betting on. And I'm betting on 8 billion people. There's gotta be another soulmate for all <laughs> of us, you know, if, if we so choose on that note, I think what people, and if you're, if you're grieving and you're going through new grief or you lost your person, for me, the physical touch as a human was so hard, not just sex, but the actual being held or um, sit next to someone and watch a show. I quickly after, it had nothing to do with me wanting to move on, but I craved human contact. I craved walking with someone and holding their hand. And I think that's, that's beautiful because somehow that urge kind of puts you on the path mm-hmm. to say like, I want this again. Maybe my, mentally I'm not ready. My heart isn't ready, but boy, I could use a hug. So that's, if, if you're in that spot, that's a great place to start that maybe you're just looking for someone to sit next to you or walk to dinner with, or it doesn't have to be that you're going to fall in love and get remarried and blah, blah, blah. 
just be open to the fact that we're meant to be. And if you were in a relationship and then it was gone suddenly or over time for sickness, there's a lot of healing to be done when you get held again Mm -hmm. and things like that. I'm going to ask you one last, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think that's a great point because the being in a romantic relationship again has been tremendously healing for me. Me too. And not that it, but I want to say that with the caveat that not that it should be sought out as the means for healing, but it, it's definitely lovely. I mean, it's it really a bonus. Helps. It's a, yeah. yeah, we heal each other. The last thing I'm going to ask you, because we try to keep these short, but I feel like we should talk for two hours. <laughs> is Maybe another episode. Exactly. What would Vanessa say to you if she could, and it can't be, what would she want for you? And it can't be for you to be happy. Like, what's the one thing Vanessa would say to you about these next 50 years? What she would want. If it's not to be happy, that it would be to find love. Ah, yeah. hmm. That's, isn't that funny? That's what a lot of people say, or, or people that have been terminally ill write the letter that says, please find love again. Somehow they know that's all that matters. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. What's your answer for that? Have fun and be fearless and live in the moment. Like enough of these stories that you make up about the future and worries and like, he died. I got a tough medical diagnosis after that. And I I'm here and I'm still having fun. So his, his advice would be like, look at you, all the, the war, the things you were afraid of most all happened and you're, you're still standing and you're better than ever. So like, stop it, stop yeah. the, the uptight, controlling, neurotic Kelsey, like let her die with me. You know, I'll take her, get down there and do mushrooms and Go to Burning Man and do all the things you were too afraid to do as a kid or a teenager. So that's how I feel. I feel like Nate's like, let's go. Yeah. Well, and that's, I don't, it sounds like you feel the same way, but it's kind of like once you've been through something like this, it's like you got free pass for 100%. Anything. Yeah. And, and, and you realize how quick it can change. And you realize that a lot of the stuff we thought mattered just simply doesn't, which is a great gift of grief is this freedom to, just be. I love talking to you, Max. I think you're exceptional. Max is writing a book and I will, if you even, I don't know if you have title on it yet or anything. And I know it's still in the process and you've got a lot going on, but he is going to write a book and we'll make sure and pub that as soon as whenever that comes out. It just, it was, it was great to meet you. I was so afraid of what it would be like to, to meet someone who had been through what you've been through. And it's, it's only been inspiring, which how cool is that? Yeah. No, I'm I'm very grateful for our relationship as well. And thank you very much for inviting me to talk on this podcast. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you for listening. And remember, keep going. It gets better. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.